And today, you guys, I'm really happy to introduce you to my friend, Rick Moore. He is the director of youth development at Back to Back Ministries. Yeah, you should clap for him. <laughs> and uh, he is sharing the message with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I, I need to confess to something. I, um, I took in possession a week ago a, uh, an eight-month-old black and tan coon dog named Roscoe and had every great intention. Uh, last night, I, my, my friend's daughter got engaged, so we went and celebrated that after the big fancy, you know, get down on the knee. We had a party afterwards, and I thought, I'm going to be home early because i got to preach. And I walked in the house last night, and um, he had made a huge mess all over his kennel. So at midnight, I was going, stupid dog. Uh, and uh, uh, so much for getting home early. But yeah, so that's my, uh, that's, that's the reason. If I, if I lose my spot, it's because he kept me up all night. But um, again, like Shelly said, my name is Rick Moore. I had the honor of being the Trenton campus pastor uh, here uh, about 10 years ago and, and for a little bit before and after that. And uh, just, this is just an awesome time to get back. I know a lot of you. Uh, it's good to see your faces. Um, I hope likewise. Uh, if you're new here, you know, and you're a golfer, you're thinking, when did John Daly start preaching? I understand that. Um, but, hey, we are excited that, uh, that I get to be here, like I said. And, um, and, and honestly, because it comes down to this, I, I love story. I, I love story because I believe that story is where it's all at. Every, everything is about story. Think about your life. Think about uh, think about the, the challenges that you've gone through, the, the highs and the lows. If you put that story together, it is, it's just something to, to behold. I mean, there's a reason that we flock to movies. There's a reason why people actually read books, if you do that, or, or if, you, if you listen to audiobooks. There's a reason. Why? Because story, and story is, is awesome. Story is great. A everything is about story. And so I I've noticed that in my life, like, Especially in my teaching and preaching and stuff, I, I really like when I get a chance to lay out a story, especially a, a story out of the Bible, and how it applies to us. Um, and when I came to Ezekiel, so I said, hey, we're going to do Ezekiel, and you get the third week after Joel, and, and I talk, and, and I looked at it, and I was like, wow. Because Ezekiel, when it comes to, to story, you gotta, you got to work hard to find the story. Um, you gotta, you got to read through these these visions, and you got to read through uh, the interpretation of those visions, and and when he's talking to, to Ezekiel, when he's talking to the people, and what's going to happen, and where it's going to happen, and and honestly, I, I I knew what I wanted to say, I knew where where I needed to go, but I didn't know how I was going to say it. Um, and and in fact, last night as I'm going stupid dog, you know, kind of thing, uh, it, it, it honestly came to me. Uh, one of the cool things I get to do uh, with back to back is. Uh, I, we partner with a, a group called Bespoken Live, uh, and Bespoken helps kids write their story. Uh, we get a chance to, to meet with students all over Cincinnati and, and even have done it different places around Ohio and Indiana, where, where, where we sit down with, with students and we talk to them about, about their life. And what we've seen is there's a lot of therapeutic things that happen uh, when you sit down and look at your story. 
a lot of therapeutic things, a lot of uh, trauma-competent uh, things, ways to, to build, your, build yourself up on, on the other side of that through looking at your story. And, and the prompts that we lead our, our students through are, are these three prompts. The first thing we say is, hey, tell me, tell me how life was. So we say, finish this, you know, finish this every day. Boom. Every day, what happened? Every day, tell me, tell me what happened in your life every day. How, how was life? You can think through that for yourself. Like before, you know, in my story, how was every day? Uh, and, and then the next prompt is until one day. And that until one day is the, is the point. It is the, is, is the spot where the, the story gets good. Uh, until one day is when, is when Obi-Wan meets Luke. Uh, uh, until one day uh, is, is, when, is when Will Smith punches the alien, okay? You, you, got, you got my point where you're with me? And until one day is that point that the story goes, okay, something's going to happen. And then we finish out the story with and now. And so, so the and now is, is the point to go, hey, here's, here's where I am now. Every day until one day and now. And as I was scrubbing that stupid dog last night, it hit me like, hey, that's, that's where I got to go. That's, that's, the, that's the way we're going to talk about this. Uh, you know, I'd been, had changed 14 times. I knew Shelly was going to be mad at me if I came in this morning and changed it. I went ahead and changed it anyway. She gave me some grace, so give her a round of applause later. But as we start talking about that, I, I, want, you to, I want you to think about, I want you to, to see this story of the Israelites and, and Ezekiel in this way. Because I really, help, I really believe it shows us kind of a, a path of, of what God is doing and what God has done and what God wants to do with us as well. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for today. I thank you that I get a chance to, to be here. I thank you that, that we are here. I thank you for this place and what it means to so many people. God, I just ask, as always, that your spirit be here. That it come and it, and it fill this place and it bring everything that it needs. God, I know that you've promised that when you're here, that, we, that when we come together in your name, that you are here. And when you are here, your spirit brings love and joy and peace, patience. It brings healing. And God, each of us needs some of that. Maybe a lot of it today. And so I ask God that, God, that we just, we just leave here not wanting because your spirit did its work in us today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. My first question, and you thought, really, Rick, your first question? Yeah, my first question is this. What, what makes you proud? And think, think about it for a minute. What? What, what makes you proud? And, I, and I'll give you a second let you think about it. And, and it's okay to, to be proud. For I, being proud is not a bad thing. I know a lot of us are thinking, well, you know, I, I don't want to do that. My, my mom always said, hey, it, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not pride if it's, if it's fact. <laughs> it's not conceited if it's truth, which I like because I was a little bit conceited. But, but what makes you proud? Yeah. My, mine, 
my kids as well. My kids, and, and, and a lot of you, you know, we haven't talked in a while. I thought I'd take a second to, to fill you in on my kids. First of all, my, my oldest daughter, Hannah, um, is living uh, down in Cincinnati at the moment. They're getting ready to make a little change in that. She's married to some guy I'm kind of getting used to. <laughs> His dad's kind of okay. Uh, if you don't know, my oldest is married to Zach uh, Swellbar, Scott's youngest. Um, and so I had to say that. But um, no, I, I, I really am. I'm proud of uh, Hannah, what she's been doing over the last couple of weeks. In, in case you don't know, she's actually at the moment raising funds to join uh, me at Back to Back uh, Cincinnati. And we're excited about that, that, uh, that I get to a, get a work alongside of her. Um, in fact, I tell people all the time, uh, in, in case you don't know, Hannah, while she was in college, worked with a ministry called Block that works in Price Hill, which is right where our center location is, the kind of area that we go to before we kind of send out throughout the city. Um, and when I joined Back to Back Cincinnati, I actually had street cred because I was Hannah's dad. I walked onto the street and they, and, and they said, oh, you're Hannah's dad. We will talk to you. And I went, cool, I'll take it. And that made me proud. And she's doing some great things. And she's actually volunteering now and uh, with us already. Um, and if we found out, I found out last night she's, she's learning Spanish because we have a lot of English is a second language kids, and she's, she's working on that. So how can I not be proud? And Zach is doing some cool things. They have some big plans coming. Couldn't be help but be proud. My daughter, Rebecca, is now 21. She's going to graduate from UC in December, uh, graduating with communication. It's not communications. It's communication. It took me four years to figure that out. But, uh, but she's going she's gonna to graduate with that. She already has a almost full-time working with one of the largest event and wedding coordinators, um, in Cincinnati, um, running around, doing some really cool stuff, having the time of her life. And on top of full-time at school, on top of that almost full-time uh, uh, job, she's also uh, one of the leaders in uh, Young Life, since, uh, Urban Young Life, which is the, the student ministry, um, kind of pair of ministry that's in the high schools. And she loves on uh, kids uh, in Newport, which right across the river. Um, Drives them to places. She just got back from camp a week ago uh, doing that. Just an amazing stuff. Leah, my 17-year-old, um, is into everything you can imagine. Uh, not only is she, uh, and not only she is the, um, the anchor for the, the percussion uh, of, of Edgewood marching band as she plays the, the bass drum and the snare, depending on where, where they put her that day. She does that. She, uh, she's in the show choir. She plays basketball. She plays softball. Um, runs around like a chicken with her head cut off, um, and even started taking her little brother around, so that's a good thing as well. Um, and then Ricky is, is Ricky. But no, on, honestly, Ricky, uh, Ricky is really, hey, he has, over the last year and a half, has um, really become an amazing musician. Um, he started with the trumpet, and he started playing that, and then he got into, hey, he was good at that. They moved him into a couple other instruments to, to fill out the, the band at school. And uh, about six months ago, he picked up the guitar, and now he's, uh, he's playing guitar. He'll, I'll come home. He said, Dad, watch this. And he'll sit down and doo -doo -doo, play. You know, and, and I like it because he plays like Skinner and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, yeah, great. I, he, he, I like it a lot. Uh, and, and in fact, he, he, him and Leah um, were here at 9 o'clock this morning down there practicing because they're uh, they're helping Curtis put together uh, the worship band for the students. So how could I not be proud of that, right? That, that's, that's awesome and amazing. But there's, there's things that we're proud of. We're all proud of it. I, I'm proud of my, the ministry of my job. I'm sure you're proud of your, your job, what you, where you do, the, the ways you serve, the, 
there's lots of things that, that we can be proud of and, and feel good about ourselves because, hey, I, I'm good at that or I've done well at that and, or this is, this is what makes me special. When I was, when I was younger and conceited, I, I was really proud of my name. I'm still conceited, but when I was younger, I was really proud of my name. I, I, I'm Richard A. Andrew Moore. I, I'm the third of four Richard A. Moores. My grandpa was Richard Arnold. My dad was Richard Allen. I'm Richard Andrew. And, and, and Ricky is Richard Aiden. Um, and, and, and actually, there's five of us because Rebecca is Rebecca Ann. So she's a ram as well. So kind of like that, is, that, that got snuck that in there as well. But, you know, it's something that, was, that, that made me proud. In fact, if you, my, my email address is third ram because I'm the third one. Um, my Venmo is that too, in case you were wondering if you want to send something. Um, but, you know, it, it is something that, made, in fact, I, I think I, I said this a long time ago. I used to, when I was little, I used to change the words of songs to, to match my name. So, oh, Mickey wasn't, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. It was, oh, Ricky, you're so fine. I mean, that's, that's an easy one, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an easy one. Or, or run DMCs, it's tricky, um, became, it's Ricky, you know, kind of deal. It, it, was, it was just that one kind of thing that, I could, I could rap, I knew it, and, you know, I could probably go ahead, you could rap it with me, but it's way better if you put Ricky in it instead of Tricky. But all that to say, you know, there are things about us that make us us that we are proud of, and there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I know, that we, we serve a God that is amazing. We serve a God that has, through the history of time, continued to prove how awesome and amazing and wonderful he is. And, and, and the main thing that I want you to hear tonight, the, the most important thing I want you to hear today, it's not tonight, is that this, the glory of God is always the point. Let me say that again. The glory of God is always the point. So when we come to the, the story of Ezekiel, when we come to the book of Ezekiel, we have to remember it's always the same thing. The glory of God is the point. And so, with that in mind, let's jump in. Let's jump into the scripture, or excuse me, the story of Ezekiel. And let's do it with my three words. First of all, the everyday. Every day. The, the history of the Israelites, if you go back and read through the Old Testament, you see the history of the Israelites every day, or however you want to look at it, look like a circle. A circle that continued to go round and round and round and round. And here's what it would be. The Israelites would be in a relationship and they would have leaders that, that loved God and followed God and served God. And, those, and the Israelites would become, would become prosperous. Their families would grow. They would, they would have great crops. They would, they would accumulate land. There would be wealth. And then what would happen is this. Then the Israelites would see something shiny. They had a little ADD. I took my Adderall just to be good for you today, but they didn't have it. They, they would see um, other gods. They would see other religions. They would see other things, and they would turn their faces from God and serving God, and they would go, turn, walk away from him and start, and start serving these other gods and worshiping these other religions. And when that happened, everything fell apart. And, and, and things would get bad, and what God would... God would let them go, but because they were gone and out of his presence, things would happen. Enemies would come in and, and plunder them. They would defeat them in battle. They would wipe them out. There are places in, in the Old Testament where the Israelites were hiding in caves. And every time they tried to plant 
crops, other enemies would come in and burn the crops. There are times when all of the Israelite blacksmiths were wiped out so that the Israelites couldn't make weapons. And all these things would happen. And then the, the people would realize, wait a minute, we've messed up. And they would cry out to God. And they say, God, save us, save us, save us. And God would send somebody, whether it's in the book of Judges or, or one of the good kings. And God would show up and he would bring this man or this woman in, this, a woman like Deborah, or a man like Samson, or something like that would come in and would save the day. And the Israelites would be back with God and everything would be great. And they would start to prosper again and, and, and land and fields and wonderful things. And guess what? It started all over. And over and over through the history of the Old Testament, we see this. And so it's in one of these loops that we open up the book of Ezekiel. It's in one of these loops that the story of Ezekiel happens. You see, the people of God have, the, the Israelites have, have bought into to all kinds of religions. And it was religions that they let come in. It was, it was people groups they let come in and bring their idols in when God said, don't do that. And sure enough, they started falling farther and farther away from God. And so God says, you know what? It's time. And the Babylonians come in and they, they defeat Jerusalem. They, wipe, they, they come into Jerusalem and, they, and, and the way that the Babylonians treated the people that they defeated was they would take the best and the brightest. They would take the smartest and the, the most cultured men and, 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 and some ladies, and they would take them back to Babylon. And there they would try to change their way of thinking and teach them different things. And Ezekiel is taken from Israel, from Jerusalem, on this first time that, that this happens, this first exile. He's taken, but here's what you need to understand. He's taken with some other guys you might have heard of before as well. Some guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in that same, that same bunch of people. Some guy named Daniel. He, he, he was in that same group of people that were, that were taken with Ezekiel. And they're taken away to Babylon, and they're, they're taught all these other things, and they're, they're trained, and they're, and they're supposed to be become little Babylonians, and yet several of them choose to, to follow God, and we see their stories. In this story, life in captivity is not good. Every day, the Israelites are living in fear. You see, if they didn't get taken away, they were living around Jerusalem while Jerusalem was under siege. You see, they, they beat the city, but they didn't, they didn't, the Babylonians didn't get into the temple. The temple was the, the strongest part of the city. And so the, the Israelites had fallen back into the temple. And, and the Babylonians were, were holding under siege. So if you were outside the temple, that's a horrible life you're living, just scrounging for food and water, trying to make ends meet, trying to keep your kids alive, trying to keep yourself alive. That's an everyday kind of thing. And if you're in exile, you're away from your people, you're alone, you're, you're, you're being taught all kinds of crazy different things, and that's where Ezekiel has his 30th birthday. Remember, Joel and, and Shelly both talked about that, and that is where he has his first vision. It's in that part, the everyday part of Ezekiel's life, that we see the first vision that he has. 
And if you remember that, that first vision, Joel, Joel put it up on the screen for us of, that, uh, of those four angels and their four wings are, that, are, that are on wheels inside of wheels. And, and there's a platform on top of them. And, and then it says this. It says, on top of that platform, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 28, it says, was such the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. The likeness of the glory of the Lord. And I want to stop right there because this is the point. Remember what we talked about? The most important thing is God's glory and the glory of God. And Ezekiel said, when he was there at that draining ditch, seeing this, the last thing he describes is the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Now that word glory in the Hebrew is kavod. Kavod simply means heavy or significant, is what the, the Hebrew word is. It, but the, but the authors, the biblical authors, actually used it to mean the physical manifestation of God's significance. The physical manifestation of God's significance. And you know that I didn't make that up because I couldn't come up with that many big words. <laughs> but those biblical, those biblical authors used that, that idea of God's glory the glory of God, to be the physical part of him, how, how significant he was. It was his glory, who he was. It was, it was what he was. Think about, think about when Moses talks about God meeting God on Mount Sinai. It's, it's the same word, the kavod is used there. Or, or when you hear Moses talk about the Ark of the Covenant. That that's, he's using that word there. That This is the physical part of God, who God is. God's glory. And, and you have to see, and you have to understand, in, in Ezekiel's mind, God's glory, all of God, the physical significance of God, is supposed to be in the temple in Israel. It's supposed to be in the temple in Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where the Israelites, that's, that's where he told the Israelites he would be, and that's where the Israelites were supposed to be. And so this everyday thing happens. He sees this, and, and the question comes, why is the spirit, why is the glory of God, why is God's significance in Babylon? I think, I think we have to you know, kind of look at that and go, what, what is that all about? We're going to jump in, 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 in the story a little bit or into the scripture because God explains it later on. In, in, verse, in verse 18 of chapter 36, God says this, they polluted the land with murder and the worship of idols. So I poured out my fury on them. I scattered them to many lands to punish them for the evil ways that they had lived. But when they were scattered among the nation, they brought shame to my holy name. For the nation said, these are the people of the Lord, but he couldn't keep them safe in his own land. Imagine the shame that comes to God when, when somebody looks at one of his people and says, he can't be a good God because look at them. That, that stings a little bit. Now I'm preaching. That's what God says. He says, what shame you've given to me. In fact, he goes on in verse, in verse 21. Then I was concerned for my holy name on which my people brought shame among the nations. This isn't about God turning his name into, oh, God, you're so fine. 
This is about God going, hey, wait a minute, you know who I am, and yet you have done this to me, to my name. The way you acted, the choices you made, the way you've treated people has brought shame upon my name. Of course, there's a reason that I wouldn't be where you think I'm supposed to be. You see, when Israel chose to follow other gods, the only way for God's glory to be seen was for God to leave the temple. You see, the Israelites believed that everything was cool. In fact, as as you look in Ezekiel, some of the false prophets were telling the Israelites, hey, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be good because the temple's still standing. And don't forget that God lives in the temple. So that's where God is. Everything's going to be cool because God's still with us because he's in the temple. And the people said, that's easier to believe than what we hear in Ezekiel, so we're going to believe that and believe that everything's okay. And God says, it ain't happening. It ain't true. In fact, in chapter 10, Ezekiel has a vision again. In this vision, he says this, Then the glory of the Lord moved out of the entrance of the temple, and it hovered above the cherubim. The same thing he saw in in, in chapter 1, he sees again in, in chapter 10. Only this time, that significance, that glory of God comes out of the temple where he was supposed to be and it it sits on top of the cherubim verse 19 and as I watched the cherubim flew with their wheels to the east gate of the Lord's temple and the glory of God of Israel hovered above them and he goes on to say how it moved east why did it move east you see because God keeps his promises and he promised that his people the Israelites were his people, and, his, and he was their God. For him to leave the temple and be a place that, he, that was not giving him glory, he had to leave. And so because the Israelites were his people, the Israelites had to leave Jerusalem. And that's why there was the exile. God didn't abandon his people. He went into exile with them. That, that's, what, that's what this is about. You see, God's glory, he kept his promise. You didn't follow me until you were exiled and left. But guess what? I promised to be your people. And in fact, I want to show you that I can't fit in this box that you put me in. I, I can't fit in this, even this little temple that you put me in. This most perfect place that you've made special for me. I, I don't, I'm not there. I'm with you. And that's what he sees as, as he goes on. You see, every day, God's people were taking God and saying, here, God, this is, this is who we think you are. You're that God that's in that building that I do this for, and then you do this for me. And you're my God who does what I want, and you do it how I think. And you're my God who will be there when I'm ready. And... and Every day, Shelly talked about it last week. For, for how long did, did Ezekiel have all these prophecies telling the Israelite people, guess what? You've blown it. Guess what? You've messed up. We, you're, God is, is leaving us. God is leaving Jerusalem. It ain't, it, it ain't pretty. And he continues to tell them, and God says, they're not going to listen. And every day, Ezekiel comes back with another way of saying, hey, you are not being the people that you're supposed to be. And you can read there. And, and, and Ezekiel 
uses all kinds of ways to show God's people that they're not living the way they're supposed to. All kinds of, metaf- all, all kinds of metaphors, all kinds of visions. In fact, e- Ezekiel has the most X-rated verse in the whole Bible. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you'll start reading it and quit listening to me. But it's there. It's in the 20s. Open them up and find it later. Saying, hey, you know what? You guys have, have done some horrible things and it's like this. You've given in to your wants and your desires and your lusts every day. And then, in verse 33, we come to until one day. Until one day, it says this in Ezekiel 33, 21 and 22. On January 8th, during the 12th year of our captivity, a survivor from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has fallen. You see, the previous evening, the Lord had taken hold of me and given my voice back, or give me back my voice. So I was able to speak when the man arrived the next morning. You see, this is the one day. Every day, all this stuff was happening. Every day, Ezekiel's talking all this stuff and doing all these things until one day, the survivor shows up and says the city has fallen. And what we see happens then is the prophecies that Ezekiel starts teaching to his people, the things that God starts saying, completely change. God says, let me tell you something. What I want to do is I want to give you the gift of hope. And after the fall comes the gift of hope. Let me, let me, let me explain that, throw that out there real quick. In chapter 34, God gives them a hope of a new king, a devoted king, a king like David, the one that they love the best, a, God, a, a man after God's own heart. In verse 34, God says, I'm bringing a guy, I'm bringing a guy like David to you. Who's going to lead you the right way? He's going to help you have pure hearts and clean hearts. It doesn't take a genius to understand that in the line of David comes a guy named Jesus, right? There in Ezekiel is the promise of the hope, the gift of hope. Also for Israel in chapter 36, he says, There's, I'm building a new Israel. And not just a new Israel and a new city. I'm going to give that new Israel a new heart. Why? Because your hearts are hardened to me. You've chosen your own way. You've chosen to not listen when I, when, I, when I talk to you. You've chosen to not obey my commandments. And you, you've made these hearts and you have these hearts that are so hard that nothing is going to get through. But I, the God, the one who can do impossible things, the one who has all the glory, is going to be the one that changes your heart. And not only is there a new city, but the people of that city are going to have a new heart. Hearts that love me, that follow me, that give me, give me the glory. I promise that to you, God says through Ezekiel. And chapter 37 is this amazing picture where God, Ezekiel says that God picks him up and he takes him to a, va- a valley and he sets him in the valley and he looks out over the valley and the valley is filled with dry bones. Not just dead people, not just dead bodies. Dry bones. Think about it. Bones that have sat in the sun, in the desert. You can almost imagine Ezekiel trying to, trying to walk around and not step on them, but, but stepping on them anyway, and I'm cracking and going to dust. And you can, you, can, you can see that. And he says, as he's there in this valley, God says to him, see this valley, see these bones? I'm a God who brings hope, and I'm going to bring life into these bones. 
I'm going to make them a new creation. And Ezekiel says as he's standing there, there's a, a wind that comes through, and as it does, those bones start to grow sinew and ligaments and muscle and flesh and skin. And it says in a second, then the second wind, which is the, the Holy Spirit, comes through the valley and breathes breath into their, into their lungs and gives them life. And they become new creations. He takes something that is old and broken and gross and nasty and deader than dead. And he makes it new. And that's what he's going to do for his people and to his people. It is him and his glory and for his glory that he is going to do it. He doesn't stop there. Not only he says, hey, those are my promises of, of hope for Israel. I also have promises for the nations, for all around. You see, there are these nasty, evil kings, and there is evil in this world. And, and he, and he kind of grabs all these different kings, and he, and he kind of puts them all together, and he calls that, that made-up king Gog. And he says he has, he has people from all over, all over the ends of the earth, just proving that evil is everywhere. And he says when that, when that army led by that that evil king that, sing, that just signifies evil comes upon me, I will defeat them. And not just defeat them. He gives, he's pretty clear. He says, and I don't know how this works because God is God, so he can do it. But he says, I'm going to kill him with an earthquake. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to burn him with fire twice. And then I'm going to leave him out on the field for the birds to eat him. Don't know how that happens, but he's God. He says, that's, that's what I'm going to do to evil. I'm going to destroy it any way you can think of destroying it. And that's his promise to the nations that God is going to destroy evil. And he finishes the last eight chapters, first from 40 to 46, his promise to, to all creation. He talks about a new temple. And he gets, for six chapters, gets very specific on how high the walls are, how long each one is, what the gates look like, what the, what the, the houses look like, what the streets look like. What kind of things are in the streets? It gets really, really specific. And it's a beautiful and magnificent. And the cool thing about it is it's only something that God could do. Like it just wasn't possible to build what God is laying out. God say, this is what I can do. And we know as we look in that, as we read it today, that God's talking about, he's talking about us. Being his temple where he and his spirit can live inside of. And then this is the cool part. He finishes in chapter 47 and 48. He talks about a stream that comes out of that new temple. And it flows down and it flows through the, through the desert. And everywhere it flows, as soon as it, as soon as it runs past, vegetation sprouts up. And it keeps running, and it goes into the Dead Sea. We all know that the Dead Sea is the deadest place in the world. There's nothing can live there. Why? Because the Dead Sea is full of the saltiest water you can think of. But this stream runs into the Dead Sea and changes that water into life-giving water. And all of a sudden, vegetation sprouts up. Creatures of all kinds sprout up inside the, 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 the Dead Sea. Fish and animals and all around becomes this new life. And, and, and Ezekiel says, this is the new Garden of Eden. And here's the point. One of the points. He says, that new garden is called God is Near. What a wonderful example of heaven. You see, that's what God has promised that heaven is. 
is that we are in God's presence, that he is near to us. And that comes from that river that flows from that new temple. That's the, that's the until one day, and now we have the now. So now, Israel starts that process. Ezekiel speaks that truth from God. And, and then we, we, if you read in Jeremiah, that Jeremiah says that 70 days from that first exile, excuse me, it's not 70 days, 70 years from that first exile is when the temple will be rebuilt. And sure enough, to the year, the temple was rebuilt 70 years later. And prophecy after prophecy comes true all the way through to to Jesus and the promises that we get from him. And so in the now, how do we walk out of here? We walk out of here understanding that a lot of times our stories feel kind of similar, don't they? There's times when we chose to walk away from God and not do what God chose from us. There's times we chose to, to live this way as opposed to his way. There's several of us in here that know that God is the one who takes dry bones and makes us new. From our darkest place, he lifts us up. What a great, amazing, what an amazing story. And here's the coolest thing of it all. And the next two weeks, next week, Shelly and, and, and some kid named Joel and, and Curtis, and the week after that, are going to talk about how, how we see Jesus through all of that and, and, and how this points us straight to him. But all of it is mute if we don't remember that the most important thing that you'll hear is that the glory of God is always the point. That's all this is all about. Who is God? How amazing and how awesome is he? And what am I doing to give him glory? Would you pray with me? God, thanks for today. Thank you that you are are you. God, I hope and I pray that today, from the words that we sang to, to the gifts that we gave, through our thoughts, to God, to the, the chance we have to celebrate with, celebrate with another one who's chosen to, to be baptized. That God, it isn't about me, it's not about this church, it's not about those of us sitting in the, in the chairs or the pews or whatever. It's not about the online campus. God, that it's all about you. It's all about you and that you are the one who receives all the glory. God, forgive us. Forgive us when our actions, God, when my actions and my decisions have on shame upon your name. God, give us new hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen.